Hello and welcome back to Tete Tete by Fresco Media. We're here again for um, another episode in the build-up to the Indian Super League, which launches tomorrow on the 20th of November. And um, this is the third episode that we're going to be um, taking you into um, something that's a very interesting and a very relevant topic in this coming to this season because there have been quite a few new partnerships forged between European sides and Indian Super League sides. And um, I think this has a bit of history because when the ISL launched in 2014, there were a lot of clubs that used the resources and the technical know-how of a lot of European clubs to kind of set base and, um, you know, kind of give them a starter pack, if I may call it that, that way. But um, I think that it's carried on to a phase where these partnerships are very different um, in today's world. Each club has their own way of interpreting these partnerships because the European side sees it differently and the Indian side also sees it differently. And we're here to kind of put it into context and see where these partnerships can go, where it has gone in the past and the verdict, basically, because these are big moments in Indian football history. Um, joining us is Dibidi, um back again for the third episode. Um, and if you haven't listened to the first two episodes, I suggest you do that because this episode does, you know, kind of move on from what the foundations we've laid in the first two. So, Debideep, how are you? And what is your first memory when it comes to a partnership between an Indian football club and a European football I'm club? I'm good. Thanks, Shres. Uh But talking about the European presence or presence of a European club into Indian football, uh, I think we in the past have seen uh, Bayern Munich come here for a friendly the New York Cosmos many years before this with Pele coming to India for again another friendly uh, but I think that trend has changed and if I have to the, if I have to think about the first uh, such partnership I think it dates back to somewhere near 2002-2004 when East Bengal had a partnership with Leicester City and uh, wow in, in, I didn't know that well how did that come about so in today's context, it's a, it's a marvelous thing if anybody is associated with Leicester City and how they have grown uh, in leaps and bounds. But back then, uh, Leicester City actually held uh, East Bengal in, in very high regard. They saw them as one of the biggest clubs in Asia uh, who had a history, who had a legacy uh, and that needed to be respected. And uh, so they had invited uh, the East Bengal squad over to to Leicester for an invitational preseason tournament. And they had faced teams like Mallorca. Uh, they narrowly lost the game against uh, Leicester 1-0. Uh, East Bengal was led by Bajing Bhutia at that point in time. So the partnership is that, such as that kind of gave uh, the East Bengal team a very good exposure into what it feels like to play uh, English Premier League sides. But it fell apart, you know, it fell, it fell apart because... Leicester got relegated from the Premier League and somehow the Indian counterparts, these Bengal officials, didn't understand what it meant to be in a partnership, in a willing partnership with Leicester City. And this is, this did not work out. But tell me, what's your what's your first uh, memory of such a partnership? I think it has to be close to home. Um, it has to be the Liverpool and uh, DSK Shivajan's partnership, which is quite late if you consider that the first one came out came about in 2004. Um, this particular one that I'm speaking about came about in 2013. And I can fully remember that Lalinzwala, Changte and Jerry, who are both now playing at the top level and have played for India, um, you know, they went for a, a couple of months of a trial at Liverpool. And it was it was a program that was trying to attract a lot of, you know, 15, 16-year-olds to kind of join the residential program. And at a, I must say at a very exorbitant cost. But this was meant to be one of those um, typical soccer school programs for, for kids aged between 12 and 16 and kind of develop them to ensure that they 
you know, probably get the exposure they deserve in Liverpool. Um, but that's a very different one from the one you mentioned between Leicester and East Bengal. Um, and another one that actually came up to my mind uh, when we were going through the past partnerships was JCT and Wolves. And uh, that's, the, I mean, JCT is not a well-known club these days because of the fact that it disbanded around a decade ago. But I mean, back in the last um, couple of decades, you know, turned it back to 2005, 2006, 2007. JCT, one of the best I-League sides in the country, along with Dempo and uh, Mahindra United. And they forged a partnership with Wolves. Um, I think this was an interesting one again, similar to the Leicester East Bengal one, where, you know, players would get an exposure trip to Wolves. And uh, I think this is kind of motivated by the fact that Wolves have a, a Punjabi fan base um, back in Wolverhampton. And that kind of made the owners look at the Punjabi market and more specifically JCT to kind of encourage a bit of, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a matter of pride, these partnerships. And I think it was until this point, a matter of pride being associated with European clubs. But as we come on to discuss, the the scenery has changed so much from that time that we're talking about more about development, youth development, about what each club can gain commercially and whether the mix between commercial and youth development is right at this point in time. Um, but I want to ask you, um, the FC Michelin and Dempo SC deal, uh, 2011 it was, and Srinivas Dempo took a 34% stake in the Danish club. Was that a kind of a trailblazer? And do you think that um, that was kind of following up on Venki's takeover of Blackburn Rovers in 2010? That is, That was a, a new change in the trend, wasn't it? Because I think uh, up until then, uh, European clubs and Indian clubs were associating themselves as uh, strategic partners or technical advisors uh, to Indian clubs. I think investing into to, in, into a foreign club was, was new. And something along the lines of what Venki's were doing with Blackburn and a lot of Asian industrialists were doing with Premier League clubs. Uh, a lot of Southeast Asian uh, industrialists were investing their money into Premier League clubs. And I think something on the similar lines is what uh, Srinivasan Dempo wanted uh, out of his investment into Midland. Uh, but I think his personal business, his family business, didn't really work out. And I think one of the reasons, that was one of the reasons, as we dis- discussed before, is why Dempo themselves uh, took themselves back from the I-League and started only playing the go and go and premier league so uh didn't work out for him as as much did it i think the dempo michelin one reminds me of how um Fosun, which owns wolves at the at this present time um treats their partnership or their ownership rather with the club because they try and send a lot of chinese you know 23 24 year olds to get a bit of exposure in england and i'm not saying it doesn't help but you know these players aren't going to make it to the first team unless something um insane happens something dramatic happens overnight and I think that was kind of the thought process behind this particular investment where you know there's a there's a two-way kind of gain out of this number one is obviously Michelin might be on the up in Europe so you might benefit from being a stakeholder but also um, you could give a lot of Indians a little bit of exposure in Europe whether it's a two-month training camp or whether it's a um, you know six-month trial with the club or the youth academies uh, mixing it up but I think that was a new one and we haven't seen anything um, of that nature since, which is not surprising at all, considering that this failed as well as, um, I mean, Venki's takeover of Blackburn is still, you know, uh, right up there in terms of one of the worst takeovers of all time. Um, but I think this period, would you say, was a very uncertain period for foreign clubs looking at the Indian market because, um, you know, the ISL still hadn't begun before 2014. Um, the I-League was in a precarious position. And for any foreign investors or European clubs 
uh, what was the scope like at that point in time? I think the scope was very minimal because the uncertainty of how the I League clubs are going to survive because how inconsistent they were uh, in their operation because you never know uh, the new clubs would come the clubs who are really doing well, who just won the league, would shut up their uh, operations. So investing into something as uncertain as what the I-League was at that point in time made it very difficult for foreign investors. And I think that uh, that landscape changed with the onset of the ISL because suddenly new franchises, franchises with no history, were attracting clubs like Fiorentina and Feyenoord and Atletico Madrid. And uh, that kind of changed the way uh, foreign clubs looked at Indian football because suddenly they thought and they saw that there's a lot of stardom associated with the ISL, which started off with fireworks and celebrities. And uh, it was a marketing success, if you in, in, a, in a way, and which actually attracted clubs to come on board with these new franchises uh, and somehow, you know, make their presence felt into the Indian market. So uh, tell me more about, I'm sure you have a, good opinion about uh, the Delhi Dynamos and the Feyenoord partnership. Yeah, let's start off with that one then because there are three ones that, that came about in 2014 that are worth talking about and I think no better place to start than Feyenoord and Delhi Dynamos. They envisaged a way in which they would incorporate a Dutch style of football that would please fans, that would make them come to the stadium and watch their team play and also they announced on the, when they, on the reveal date that they would try and play ethical football to this day, I still don't understand what ethical ethical football is because I'm pretty sure if you play ethical football, you, I don't think you can win a game. Um, but also, um, you know, this partnership is a different one because they started off well. Um, Feyenoord helped them in recruitment of coaches, recruitment of uh, background staff and a few players in the draft as well. And uh, I mean, from that point of view, it sounds all right. But then when you look at it, they had an orange jersey, which I honestly think is to kind of let the teammates spot each other in the Delhi smog. Uh, apart from that, you know, there was a fiasco because um, Delhi didn't even turn out to be a decent team and the partnership broke off within a year. So um, that partnership kind of bemused me because it was too much talk and nothing to show on the pitch, nothing to show in terms of um, commitment from either final to Delhi. Um, and what are your thoughts on it? Because it's a very curious one. I think all these three, the three partnerships that were very prominent at that time, the Atletico Madrid, uh, Fiorentina, Pune, the uh, Pune partnership and the Delhi partnership, they both were very similar on the same lines because they did not involve any, uh, they did not have any monetary involvement in them. They had a share of... Uh, but didn't, didn't Fiorentina have a 15% stake in Pune City? Did it? But, uh, well, in that case, because I was reading upon them and they were very willing to share their facilities uh, with Pune City. They said, you go, you can come up to Florence and, you know, use our training facilities. But what they were very adamant on, and I think what would have done a lot of good for Pune City and Indian football is they clearly outrightly said, listen, we're not going to send our academy players to India right now because we don't, we are very unsure about how the Indian uh, football, uh, how the Indian football is what is their quality and if this is going to be beneficial for our academy products because we are the one who's investing in our academy. So, and I think that that's one one big place where, uh, you know, the foreign clubs were very hesitant on, they weren't committed on and which would have actually helped a lot in terms of uh, in terms of how Indian football would have progressed because looking at the Atletico Madrid and uh, ATK uh, partnership, it again uh, found a lot of limelight into the media because Atletico Madrid were doing really well in Europe at that point in time. And uh, ATK travelled to Vincente Cantoron to inaugurate the team 
and uh, they used a lot of their facilities, found a lot of Spanish teams willing to play against them for preseason, and it looked very promising. But at the end of the day, I think the reason why these kind of partnerships fall apart is because, just like Sanjeev Goenka went on to say that you know Atletico is not putting the money, and if they're not showing us the money, there's no benefit for ATK to be associated with them, and uh, in return, what Atletico tried to tried to get out of ATK is to promote their youth academies in the city, trying to promote their youth academies and uh, attract young talent from in and around Bengal and, and the country. And I think this is where the imbalance strikes. I mean, can you think of some uh, partnership that has recently been stuck, which kind of, uh, you know, kind of has an exchange of coaches, coaches uh, players or exchange of knowledge, which actually will do uh, a lot of... Uh, benefit a mutually benefit the benefiting the, the partnership i think the only one i can think about at this present time is the chennai city and um fc basel partnership which is i don't think it's a partnership you can't even call it that because fc basel has taken up a significant stake in chennai city and you know to even the extent that the fans of fc basel have protested regularly um last year against this takeover because it involves a huge sum of money and uh that shows the commitment that Basel have still stuck to that, even with um, protests from fans. And I must also remember that, you know, in Europe and especially in like Switzerland, Germany and Belgium, uh, fans do have an ownership stake in the club uh, being members and their voices do matter. It's not just simply a voice of frustration. So their votes do matter on this. And um, that seems to be a very promising venture because they're trying to bring in a lot of, they're trying to encourage a lot of exchange, I would say, between Indian coaches um, Swiss coaches as well as youth academy players because for the longest time, right, all these partnerships have entailed, you know, a maximum of five or ten Indians getting exposure abroad. Um, and FC Basel is trying to bring 50, 60, 70 Indian players at, at between the ages of 12 and 16 to go and play in um, Switzerland, play in age group tournaments in Switzerland, which is fantastic because that's what you need at this point. You need exchange of not just information, not just coaches, but you also need players to get equal and you know the right opportunities playing abroad. So that's the only one I can think of where there's actually a right amount of exchange uh, of information. But that is a very different story because of the fact that Chennai City are still in the I-League. Um, we don't know whether they're going to make the ISL. There are rumors that Chennai and Chennai City would merge into one ISL entity. And I, I'm i not sure if I hope that will come true because if Chennai City still remains the ISL, uh, the I-League rather, and the merger eventually comes around, I can see them as a very, very good and successful second division side uh, manufacturing one of the, some of the best strategies for the Indian football team in the future. In my opinion, if you really ask me, this is the kind of partnership that that I see to be working out and something very similar along the lines of Chennai City and Basel. And by the way, Basel is actually investing a lot into Chennai's uh, training academy. I think they're in a the process of their uh, line acquisition into Chennai where they want to set up a huge uh, academy and, you know, get 40, 50 players, uh, young players and try and develop them. Just not for Chennai City, but I think with an ambition that at one point they can take some players and take them back to Basel. And coming back to a very similar partnership, I think is uh, the City Football Group and Mumbai City. If you uh, if you consider that as one, uh, because again these are uh, football clubs or organizations who who have uh, ownership in football clubs, kind of putting their 
money where their mouth is because they're investing it into Indian football. And uh, like you said, what is very important is the exchange of players. And I think one of the biggest uh, example is Adam Lafondre coming for, coming to Mumbai City this season, uh, which which is you know which is going to pump up competition, which is going to pump up the quality of the Indian leagues. And uh, think about City Football Group, who not only have a say and you know they don't not only run like city melbourne city new york city but they also have nine other different clubs across across the world i think clubs in japan clubs in france in uruguay so you know having somebody with so much of a reach uh to have a stake in your indian in in an indian club can do wonders if it's really worked out properly for uh mumbai city uh, what do you think about the city football group coming to the icel um it's it's not just a commitment is it it's it's almost like they're taking the reins of the club um now mumbai is kind of an honor gem um because of the fact that there is so much potential you can have um uh, through commercial ventures that can actually make mumbai a force to rec- be reckoned with and we're already seeing you know this season we've seen the signings they've made and you can't argue for one bit that City Football Group hasn't played a part in these signings, you know, F- right from the coach Sergio Lobera, who was probably one of the most uh, tried and tested and successful ISL coaches, who still hasn't won a title, of course, but one of the best, of course. Um, Adam Lafond, as you mentioned, they wouldn't have got that deal over the line without the help of the City Football Group. Um, their strategy is again, you know, played patient, um, unlike some of the other ventures we've seen fail over the past five or six years, and I think it will it will pay off. You know, this is a a historic moment we even saw at the launch how special that moment was so it it has all the right inklings about it and i really hope it comes true because um that's a huge moment for indian football history so so would you say the change in uh, trend from clubs and european european giants coming to indian market just for commercial sake has changed into uh the european clubs coming and investing their money and looking for a long term uh, return has that changed because even now even in the isl we see uh, the partnership between hyderabad and borussia dortmund and it's part of dortmund's uh, collaboration with a lot of south eastern south asian clubs uh, that they've taken up at the same time and somehow that kind of uh, you know smells of just a commercial uh partnership rather than something that's going to develop youth football or football in general yeah um i think the dortmund one is is a little bit of a commercially you know um uh, leading leaning more towards the commercial side of of things because i guess it does make sense from the standpoint that hyderabad fc has has probably um little to none of a fan base um and for them their revenues as as it is you know we spoke about in our previous um uh, podcast about how revenues are so dry in the ISL from top to bottom that you need to have some form of creativity when it comes to solutions and i think dortmund is ve- is going to help them a lot in that regard um especially going into the season where you don't even have um you know ticket revenue or match day revenue but on the other hand when we talk about how it relates or stacks up in relation to the other partnerships we're going to come on to like the leipzig goa or the rangers bfc partnership um it does not smell good in terms of youth development and exchange of information between coaches um and that's what you need at this point in time that's the need of the hour um i'd say that for hyderabad and as an exception this deal does bode well for the near future but might not do for the you know the 
for more than three or four years because like we've seen, you know, Dortmund have tried to extend their arms in Southeast Asia and it hasn't really paid off too much. And that does not give um, a very good picture and a good light on where Hyderabad is directed with this partnership. I think absolutely this, uh, the Hyderabad Dortmund partnership doesn't really excite me as much. But uh, again, talking about the exchange of coaches, exchange of players, exchange, uh, giving the Indian players the expo- exposure uh, into Europe or into anywhere across across the world would you know do them a lot of good. Uh, a partnership such as uh, the Leipzig and, and FC Goa partnership where Leipzig have come about and said that you know we're going to ch- uh, send our coaches when it's possible. We're going to uh, take players from Goa, uh, train them, give them the chance to you know uh, have a have an experience of how it is uh, in the Leipzig setup and something along these lines uh, that you know has kind of evaded the limelight for a long long time. And I think this is something that should be spoken about: is the Sheffield United being a very uh, crucial partner with the Tata Football Academy and. Uh, you know, they have been in partnership for the longest time and coaches fly down to Jamshedpur uh, on a yearly basis. They train train the players in the Tata Football Academy. They set up training modules for the other coaches to, uh, to follow and they take players on an annual basis to Sheffield for a period of time. And, you know, somehow, somewhere there, I think that that is one of the reasons why Atletico is again uh, very interested into investing into Jamshedpur and which is... Uh, and they have sent uh, Sergio Castell uh, last season to Jamshedpur, which really worked out wonders until he got injured. So, what do you say is the right balance between uh, European clubs somehow finding their feet in Indian market and somehow for Indian for the for the Indian clubs to be uh, benefiting from this? I think it's it's very relative the amount of balance that they would probably impose between the commercial side of things and, you know, development as a club. Because as the clubs are only four or five years old, they're only three years old in this longer league format, which requires a lot more focus, I'd say, rather than the three-month IPL-style tournament where you don't really need uh, too much of um, a background staff, I'd say. And I think the Leipzig-Goa one, um, that is very, very interesting because RB Leipzig themselves launched only 10 years ago. Red Bull have a vast interest across the world in terms of ownership of football clubs. They're saying that they're not going to take over FC Goa and, you know, branded Red Bull Goa. I can see that happening, to be honest. But I think this is Red Bull trying to dip their toes into the Indian market. There's a big potential here. They've just seen their rivals, Borussia Dortmund, entering the market. And they've struck a completely different deal from what um, Red Bull have done with uh, FC Goa or RB Leipzig, I must say. Um, So... I think it depends from club to club. Um, when I look at FC Goa, I see a hotbed for Indian youngsters. There's a rich tradition and history associated with Indian football. Um, and FC Goa themselves have done very well in the ISL. On the other hand, you look at Hyderabad FC, who only launched a year ago, who are struggling to you know pay their players even at some point in time. They're going through all kinds of hardships. They need commercial support. They have Borussia Dortmund. And then I look at a mix of the two. I think the mix of the two is Bengaluru FC and Rangers, who stuck it in 2019. And uh, I think the f- one big move that has happened uh, through this partnership is Bala Devi, um, an Indian women's football star, getting the move to Rangers, which was facilitated by BFC having uh, good ties with Rangers. And that probably would escape the limelight at this point in time, but that, that again shows what a partnership can do to Indian football. Um, Bengaluru FC stands to gain commercially, of course, through Rangers and both teams, again, are on a similar trajectory, I'd say. They're almost like uh, teams that 
don't have the A-listers in terms of their talent or uh, the names, but they always keep chipping away and try to get better and better and better. And that way I see them as a very good fit. So I think it, it is very relative, you know. Atletico Madrid and ATK was, I think, was destined to fail because of the fact that the ideologies were so different. We saw that within a year that they couldn't communicate even. So um, it is very, very uh, relative. Doesn't it remind you of uh, theory of comparative advantage between uh, that Daniel Ricciardo had said in college? <laughs> careful, uh, careful that we don't want too much economics in this. No, but again, uh, I think the, the way forward for, and no disrespect to Rangers, but I think Indian clubs should be looking to partner uh, with European clubs that are not... The financial, uh, the, the financial biggest clubs in Europe. Because I think if you partner up with you, the Manchester United, the Barcelonas, and the uh, and the Real Madrids, I think these clubs don't are not in the desperate need for commercial uh, for commercial avenues to open up in the Indian market. I think they earn a lot of money. They're not desperate for it. I think it's it's mutual benefits, right? You want each club involved in the relationship to benefit mutually and also work to have that same hunger and desire as the other one. That's where I see RB Leipzig and Rangers having equal or, you know, the same amount of hunger because these are not clubs that already have an established fan base that have so many other avenues to focus on um, that they would not, they would turn a blind eye to an Indian club. And that's where I see, you know, we, we, we're going to speak about um, how these clubs are going to go into the season even um, in the next podcast. And each team has their own different mindset going to this and, if there's any form of help from a European team, you know, in terms of preparation, in terms of uh, nutrition or whatever it is that can help them perform on the pitch this season, it could help them so much going forward. Then the commercial kind of becomes a second priority for these clubs and that will just happen uh, with, you know, a bit more time. Absolutely, I agree. I think partnerships such as uh, FC Goa, Leipzig, Basel, Chennai City, they kind of excite us uh, for what is in store in the future for these clubs because if you associate yourself with clubs which have a famed academy, uh, you know, you can you can have a back and forth with your players and coaches sharing of knowledge. Uh, you know, I think when coaches come here, and this, and this is something that's a real problem in India and I think that, that has changed with the AFC licensing that we spoke about before, about the coaches being... Uh, you know, uh, having an AFCA license to uh, to have the authority to take over a team uh, playing in the top flight. I think concepts like, you know, playing in half spaces, playing in zone 14 were very alien to uh, coaches who don't have that education. And that's that's very important when you have an exchange of uh, knowledge in that way. So I think collaborations like, such as these collaborations like I mentioned, Chennai City, Basel, uh, they excite us for what's in store. But again, if it's too commercially immersed, I think they're destined to fail in a way. On that note, I think it's uh, time to wrap up on this um, edition and this episode of our ISL build-up. Um, don't forget to go ahead and listen to episode one and two because I think you learn a lot more from those before coming to this. That'll give you kind of a context into where we're heading in terms of our thoughts on what the ISL is going to be like this season. Um, thank you for your time. And if you're watching on YouTube, please do subscribe and like our video. Uh, if you're on Spotify, make sure that you follow us to keep uh, up to date with every episode that we release. Uh, we'll have a weekly ISL review show every Wednesday um, now that the ISL is starting tomorrow. And uh, we hope that you'll be able to listen to us. So thank you for your time and goodbye from us.